Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the start of the West Coast Swing on the PGA Tour with the American Express at La Quinta in Palm Springs. Hi, this is the podcast from Secret Golf, our tour report, giving you, well, all of our picks for the tournament this week. My name is Diane Knox, and soon I'll be joined by Steve Elkington to talk about this tournament, which is um, it's still known as the Bob Hope Classic to so many people. It's been the desert classic now it's the American Express and the defending champion is our very own Andrew Landry I remember this week last year actually because it was the well coming up it would be like next week was the start of the PGA merchandise show the annual massive golf show in Orlando and um, I remember being in Orlando in a hotel room on the Sunday night and Andrew Landry it was a very exciting end to the round on Sunday but he got the job done he'd actually lost in a playoff to John Ram in 2018 so we talk about this all the time when we're making our picks and I think it just shows us more and more each week that it's such an important factor horses for courses as Elk likes to say you know guys go out to some stops on tour and they just play well there's that magic spark and for Andrew Landry this is one of those courses now the setup this year is a little bit different because of COVID and you know I feel like we say that pretty much every week right now with no fans and whatever but the American Express is traditionally played with amateurs so kind of like a Pebble Beach Pro-Am in that three courses so the cut was made after Saturday and yeah then the guys would go out and play like the main course on the Sunday however the amateur element has been scrapped for this year as well as one of the courses so there's going to be no play on La Quinta instead it's just going to be the stadium and the Nicholas course at PGA West so the cut will be at the end of Friday Friday as normal but they'll be playing the two courses Thursday and Friday. We're expecting a shootout again last year Landry won at 26 under par and this year is actually the strongest field that they've had here since 2005. So we're going to be talking about all of that today. Um, we're going to go through the entire field. We're going to re-rank the field, give you our top 10 sizzlers, fizzlers and dark horse picks. It, last week for the Sony Open in Hawaii, I was so big on Will McGirt <laughs> and he was 750 to 1. Uh, he was very close to making the cut. He made a brilliant run at it. He got to five under par and then on the Friday just kind of blew up on the last few holes. But Jay Kaplan had picked Matt Jones who ended up finishing tied for 11th. So... Um, with the field this week it's like the, the full field event obviously and there's um, a lot of really interesting names some great value names in there so we thought we'd go for four dark horse picks anyway we're going to break down the courses look at the kind of stats and type of player that will do well around here and hopefully our picks will help you now if you haven't done so already we do have an app it's the SG Tour and it's available in the app store now there's so much on it but 
predominantly it's a golf gaming app that follows the PGA Tour schedule and allows fans to compete for cash during PGA Tour events each week. Now, what makes the SG Tour different is that you get to compete with your family, your friends, your golfing buddies, whoever, in games designed by pro golfers. Simply put, this is your chance to play on the best tour in the world each week and win money. There's no better feeling in golf than winning a pressure pack tournament. Now you have the chance to not only walk away with bragging rights, but collect your winnings and lead the money list. Inside the app, we also have exclusive tour player content from PGA Tour and LPGA Tour players. Um, a lot of Andrew Landry this week as defending champion. Also, weekly tournament course details with flyovers of each hole, so you can actually find an edge over your game opponents. Now, the app is currently available via the Apple App Store. It features a variety of golf-inspired games designed by professional golfers for golf fans that are single-day, multi-day, and tournament-long contests. So download the app, get in the game. Um, Elk and I will both have a public game app that you can play, and it's only $10 to enter. Right, so we're going to get straight into this. Um, I have to say that we did record this on Monday, and that was before the John Ram withdrawal. So we do have him ranked as our number one guy this week because at that point he definitely was. But apparently he'd been practicing in Arizona and had tweaked something and just thought that it was better to withdraw just in case it could lead to a bigger injury. Apparently he's fine and he's going to be in the field next week for the Farmers Insurance Open. But yeah, John Ram was still in the field at the time of recording. So we ranked him as our number one. So I guess just ignore that and work your way down the list. So here we go, our tour report for the American Express. Diane, I was lucky enough to play the Bob Hope Desert Classic, now the American Express, when Bob Hope was still alive and he had that terrific golf cart with the big long nose in front and, and he had the girls that followed him everywhere. There was Bob, there was Hope, and there was Classic, the three girls that were pretty much the the whole sticker for this tournament. I was also lucky enough with uh, all the presidents would play. The presidents would play with Bob Hope and they would play with the defending champ. We played such great old school courses like Indian Wells. Uh, it was it was a it was a time to be alive back then. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur would, in the, would be in the tournament and all these legends. And I, I just thought it was wonderful to go to the desert and play. And you're talking about times where COVID didn't exist. And because of the pandemic, things are a little bit different this year. There's always been an amateur element to this tournament, um, which is now called the American Express. And as you say, you know, like Frank Sinatra would play, Clint Eastwood. So there were always really big names. This year, it's kind of different. There's no amateur aspect because of COVID. And the tournament usually played over three courses at PGA West in La Quinta. Um, this year, it's only going to be played on two, the stadium course and the Nicholas course. So the La Quinta course, which was the easiest of the three, it's uh, not going to be part of the rotation. And that means that the cut is going to be after two rounds instead of the traditional three. Yes, they're going to play the PGA West Stadium course and the PGA West Nicholas course. Both courses, Diane. Well, let me just let me take you back a walk in time. I qualified for the PGA Tour on the on the in 1986 on the PGA West Stadium course. And the golf course was so difficult back then, Diane. We only had a 55-degree wedge in some of these bunkers. I was reminded that one of our producer told us that, well, Oak, when you were there, you were just trying to avoid the big number. Now everything's kind of changed. We've got guys that are shooting 25, 26 under. We even saw the skins game when Lee Trevino, the famous 17th hole called Alcatraz because it's an island green surrounded by rocks where he made that famous hole in one. It's a great it's a great venue for this event. As you say, there's no more amateurs uh, this year, so they're just playing the two courses. Average score, Diane, 25 under. So everything about this week is about scoring. Who can do it? Who can actually put 25 under on the board? Yeah, right. I want to go back very quickly to last week, the Sony Open in Hawaii. And a lot of our picks did really well. We did say that Joaquin Neiman was going to have another great week. Those two weeks in Hawaii finishing second in both, losing in a playoff at the Century Tournament of Champions. He has made over $1.3 million in those two weeks. So 
Hawaii was very kind to Joaquin Neiman. Webb Simpson, he finished fourth. Um, we had him as number one. Um, it was a great week for Mark Leishman, who's one of our Secret Golf contributors. He finished fourth, 66, and then three rounds of 65. I mean, that is solid golf, and it shows that Leishman is back. Leishman had a terrible run of form after he won last year at uh, Torrey Pines. We'll see him. We'll talk about him next week on our show. But then he finished second at Bay Hill, and he was really off the board for the last six months, Diane. But he, Leishman holds the fifth best scoring record at Hawaii last week, and he showed it again. He finished fourth. I'm so convinced, Diane, that these guys, almost the stats are out the window. It's how they played at some of the courses previously. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning a lot about this Horses for Courses. And we're going to talk about more of that that happens in our picks this week. Um, and I just have to say very quickly, Jay Kaplan, who's going to join us later to talk about the Dark Horse picks. Matt Jones was one of his and he finished 11th. Australian good wind player, which we always say is awarded for Hawaii. So that was great. But Elk, I was so sad because Will McGirt was my dark horse pick and he was five under with only a few holes to play on Friday and then he ended up missing the cut by one. <laughs> I was so sad about it. He stumbled at the end, Diane, with a par five on the on the last hole of both nines in Hawaii. There's no reason not to get in that cut. He'll be very disappointed in himself. Um, But, you know, we've got a lot to talk about this week. This is another course, Diane, that we're sort of, I don't want to call it an unknown player, but this is a place where rookies can get off to great starts, get way under par. I saw one thing that happened this course not too long ago. Patrick Reed shot 63-63-63 the first three rounds, 27 under. That's just mind-boggling. So. We're going to talk about all that, but I think I do think, Diane, we're going to see the experienced player in the end win this tournament this week. Okay. Patrick Reed won in 2014. It was Andrew Landry who was victorious last year at 26 under par. He is a secret golf contributor, and we're going to hear from him very soon. The year before that, Adam Long. And then 2018, it was John Ram who lifted the trophy. But it was a tense battle at the end between him and Andrew Landry. So it kind of goes back to what you said, that certain guys will go out and play well on certain courses. And Andrew Landry proved it last year. He certainly did. And, you know, just to go back to the Hawaiian Open, we talked about last week where a medium range hitter, but a great putter, great scrambler would win. And Kevin Nair proved that again. This week, Diane, is all about putting. Okay. Who, can, who can close their eyes and swing and hit the ball between all this trouble without too much drama? I mean, this, this, there's a lot of uh, visual distractions at this course. There's rocks, there's water, they're going across nasty little greens with you know all kind of little hazards. And the guys who hit the ball naturally really well. We saw our own Jason Duffner win on this course in 2016. So... What, what kind of trademark or what kind of signature is left on players that win here? Putting, putting, and putting, like real estate. Uh, we, need that, we need to be putters this week. And uh, this is a Pete Dye course, and as you say, it's that visual intimidation off the tee, and I always think of Pete Dye with TBC Sawgrass. It's that kind of thing, especially on the stadium course, where there's over 90 bunkers on the course. I think there's water hazards on, what, like seven of the holes, so you stand on the tee and and there is that intimidation that you have to get over. They chew up the par five. So there's four of them each day. There's four each, you know, four, eight, 12, 16, and off they go. But the guys that win the tournament, they're getting tons of looks, Diane. They're rolling in putts over and over again. Our board today or our, st- our sheet is stacked with what we believe are the guys that can put it together for four days. And it's worth noting that this year is the strongest field since 2005. And another thing that's cool is 11 of the past 12 winners have played in Hawaii, either one of the tournaments before moving to the West Coast and starting this California swing. So that's a big factor too. This tournament uh, was one of the first events every year. You came out of the, you know, some guys skipped Hawaii. They didn't want to get hot. They didn't want to go over there and and be hot. So they came out of the winter, me included. I would skip Hawaii and I would come to Palm Springs first. It's literally like playing indoors out there. I'm looking at your your backdrop. It's 75 (laughs) degrees out there, no wind. It's absolutely gorgeous place to play golf. 
you can get off to a great start on the tour. So the events in California are a little bit different um, just with everything going on right now. Of course, no fans. We're hoping to maybe see some fans once the, the Florida swing begins. But golf in the desert, Elk, you love to see it. I love it, Diane. The weather's perfect. The golf courses are all overseeded, which means they have a, a winter grass they put down there. And it's just beautiful emerald green. The course is a little different turf conditions. That's why we're going to be talking about who does really well in the desert or who putts well on, on rye grass greens and used to chipping and hitting their approach shots into this style of greens. And of course, none other than our own defending champion, Andrew Landry, a very straight hitter. And of course, the reason he won last year was he birdied the two hardest holes to finish the tournament, Alcatraz number 17 and the very difficult 18th. So he's our defending champion. Well, he only had five bogeys last year over the course of the entire tournament, and three of them came on the back nine on Sunday. But we caught up with Andrew Landry. It must have been just a couple of weeks after that win, and, well, this is what he had to say about it. You were in control pretty much the whole time, and then um, the final few holes, you really had to work yeah. to get the win. What's that pressure like? Uh, you know, honestly, I never really felt that much pressure. Um... It was definitely there where I was like, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I just made three bogeys in a row and I really didn't even hit any bad shots. So um, I just kept calm and, and knew that I was in the, a good position to, to go out and um, execute on 16. 16 was kind of my nemesis from 2018 whenever I lost to the playoff with John there. And um, I did it again. And so I made a par from the front of the green and just absolutely killed me. So um, I know I had 17 and 18, which are good holes that suit my eye very well. And, um, you know, hit a fantastic shot on 17 to six feet and made that. And that kind of took the pressure off on 18 to where I knew I could just make par. And um, Terry just said, let's, let's go try to make another birdie. And so um, that's what we did. And your caddy, he said that he knew that it was going to happen the whole time. He knew that it was under control <laughs> yeah. and that the wind was coming. Yeah, we, uh, it's, it's funny because whenever I get into control like that, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a fun game to play. So Andrew Landry, who won in 2020, also from the Secret Golf contributors, Pat Perez and Jason Duffner, who are gonna tell us a little bit about what it takes to win on this course as well, both champions in their own right. So Elk, um, talking about Andrew Landry, you've said that the putting, putter is so important when it comes to playing on these two courses, but what is it about his game that led to that victory? Well, Andrew's a very straight hitter, Diane. He's not a big, he's not a big man. He's only about five, seven, five, eight, only weighs 140 pounds. So how does a guy, how, you know, the first thing I ask is, how do you get to 25 under, 26 <laughs> under in this event? You've got to hit a ton of, you've got to hit a lot of greens. You've already noted he only had five bogeys and three were on Sunday. Very consistent, gets the ball up and down when he misses. But basically, Diane, whoever wins this tournament runs the tables on the greens. Yeah. So let's talk about the stats that we're going to be looking at this week to give you our report. Yes, indeed, Diane. We've taken two putting stats this week, uh, conversions on the greens and uh, total strokes in putting. We think, I think, as I said earlier in the show, I think it's putting, 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 but we've got to hit greens. We've got to get on the green to get looks. Driving distance does and does not play a factor. Yes, we're going to talk about some of our guys that are at the top of this board that, are, that just demolish the par fives, but also have the skill set around the greens. But in my mind, Diane, to play well at this event and to actually come away with the trophy, it's all about what is happening on the greens. Okay. Um, and going back to driving distance, you know, yes, okay, cool. Maybe it's not the most important stat for this week. And as we said, there are water hazards, there's bunkers, there's a lot going on. But driving distance and hitting the ball on the fairway, it could be the difference between playing a wedge into the green or an iron into the green. And I would rather have the wedge. Well, probably the great, the, the best putter on the PGA Tour currently today. I mean, we can talk about Pat Reed, Patrick Reed, who is, is number one, but Kevin Nye is probably the best putter on the tour right now. But I don't think he can beat the number one player in our field this week because the number one player hits it miles further, and he's also a good putter. So it, dynamics change, Diane, from course to course. 
um, last week was very suitable cause for Kevin Nair for the tee because he, do, he doesn't have to try to cut the corners and he just plays down the fairway. Yes. So, yes, it's very, it's very important to know what we're looking at. And that number one player, let's get right into it with the start of our top 10 this week, is a guy who lives in the desert. He won this tournament in 2018. I mean, looking at his last finish, he played the Century Tournament of Champions with all new Callaway gear in the bag and finished seventh. The man at the top is John Ram. Yeah, John Ram um, rightly sits at the top of the of the board for us this week, Diane. He lives in the desert. He's gr he went to college in the desert, Arizona State. He knows how to putt these greens. He's very aggressive, and he only curves the ball one way. It's a it's a it's a slight fade. And he's a long hitter. So to me, who has the most chance to get to 25 under is the way I handicap this field. And John Rahm sits head and shoulders above everyone else because of the distance, because he's so good, mm -hmm. has experience and lives in this environment and putts good. Right, coming in at number two is the guy that holds the 72-hole scoring record around this place. You alluded to it earlier. He was the winner in 2014 after opening with three 63, 71 in the final round, but he still won by two shots over Ryan Palmer, actually, and that is Patrick Reed. Uh, Patrick Reed has the best putting average on the whole PGA Tour, and he has top five in, in total strokes when he per round on the tour. So he is what I would consider a master putter. But Diane, 63, 63, 63, 27 under for three rounds. You've got to be kidding me. So, <laughs> I mean, Patrick Reed, Masters champion. Um, I just, I don't know how to, I don't know how he's, I don't know how you beat that guy on this course. So he sits right where he should. He's the best putter. He's probably the best putter for over the last two years on the tour. So it's easy to put him right where he is. And he didn't play last week. Uh, we don't really know why he withdrew from the Sony Open, but played at Kapalua, took the week off. So hopefully he's refreshed and waiting to go and he comes in at number two on our list. At three is a guy that we were really big on for the Sony Open and he ended up finishing 11th. So it wasn't a complete disaster. He's third in scrambling on the whole PGA Tour. And when you think about accuracy and hitting greens, this guy's name is always up there. Russell Henley. Yeah, and I just said it a minute ago, um, Harris English, who won at Kapalua, said if I had to pick someone that I thought was going to win last week, it was going to be this guy. So when I, like I said, when I when I hear other players talk about a player who they think is going to win, or or they or that player shows so much skill that other players talk about him, yeah. I listen. And Russell Henley, I think, is one of these emerging players. We have a couple other on this list that I think is emerging to the top of the board. But this guy's been getting looked at pretty heavily now for, for about the last six months. So he's got all the stats. Everything across his board here is green. So, yeah, I'm looking at Henley this week. Okay, now we're talking about low scoring again. Last year, Andrew Landry won at 26 under par. This guy, next on our list, got to 23 under par, which is just an amazing score, and finished in third place. It was his rookie year, which was just, this was really the start of this guy being on everyone's radar and just impressive play overall from Scotty Scheffler. We were watching Scotty Scheffler almost every week, drives it good, great putter, played at University of Texas. We were, we were kind of laughing that last year's rookie year for Scotty Scheffler, he won more money last year, I think over $6 million than Jack Nicholas did his whole career. So Scotty Scheffler is a guy to watch. He's, I think this is his first week out this year on, on tour, drives it good. Another one of these young players we're going to be talking about forever. Um, but I think the most impressive thing, to me, about Scheffler is the way he drives it. He drives it long and straight, so he gets he completely demolishes a hole. When you have a hard hole, Diane, and you're a really good driver, and you hit it 300 down the middle, the hole's over. It's a wedge and a putt. Yeah. So great driving demolishes golf holes, and Scheffler has that. Yeah, just got to get that putter hot. Right, so our top four so far for the American Express, John Ram at number one, Patrick Reed, Russell Henley, and Scotty Scheffler. Um, this tournament's a little bit different. Normally, it's played over three courses, and there's that amateur element where a lot of celebrities come and play with the guys. But this year, because of COVID, 
it's just going to be a standard PGA Tour event over two courses still, but the cuts will be at the end of Friday and uh, none of the big celeb names like Clint Eastwood and Bob Hope and all the people that you remember being there, the big classics. <laughs> it was a great, it was a great event, Diane. And, you know, when I think about this next man on our list, I think about guys that get super, super hot in their rounds. When I think back of Lanny Watkins or Halo and when they could literally scorch the grass off a golf course, this name is a little different for us being in the top five, Joel Damon. The cool thing about Joel Damon is as well, as you talk about guys getting hot and having that spark, he still, he wears the bucket hat. He still walks around so slowly, doesn't really show a huge amount of emotion. He's a very funny, sarcastic, kind of dry guy, personality-wise. But man, his stats are so good. Well, he lives in the desert. And I know I, I saw on Twitter, uh, maybe a year ago, he shot 58 with some of his buddies out in, in, in uh, Arizona. I actually saw him at Mark Leishman's Pro-Am and I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, man, I just got hot. And, you know, people can get hot, but not like 58 hot. And I just, I just think this guy is, as you said, he's a little different personality, which is fine. I love that. Uh, but I think he stays relaxed. And maybe when you hit that, throws that many bullseyes, maybe being relaxed is a way to just keep doing it. But I've always yeah. been intrigued, Diane, with guys that can go super low. Uh -huh. This guy has a super low number in his bag yeah definitely i completely agree um we talk about not showing much emotion on the course joel damon is kind of in a, a funny way but the next guy doesn't show a lot of emotion at all and we never really get to learn much about him and his personality but there's no doubt that patrick cantley is really up there with the most talented guys playing on the pga tour right now yeah cantley is you know he plays good almost every week he plays um you know, he's just so skilled. You know, he, he drives it straight. He's a good iron player. He putts good. As you said, he's not that emotional about things, but okay, that's fine. I just think, as we talked about at the top, who can get to 25 under is the name of the game and who putts good enough to do it. Well, Cantley's in that, in that handful of guys, so that's why he's sitting right here at number six. Yep. Well, the next name on our list is someone that we love to talk about. And I was so happy when I was like, yes, he's going to be up there. He's another one of our secret golf contributors. He's amazing on the greens. And last week, actually, it was very funny. We're talking about Patton Kazire. And when we put our re-rank top 10 on our Instagram, he commented saying disrespectful. <laughs> and we were like, no, wait a minute. We have a category for guys that are former champions at the Sony Open. So again, horses for courses. Patton finished seventh um, last week in Hawaii. And it was, I mean, eighth on the PGA Tour for putting average. I saw him sink some long, long putts at the weekend. Anybody that watches our show or listens to us, Diane, they know, or they've seen our content on our on our platform, they know that I know that Patton Kaziah putts like Ben Crenshaw. And his game is kind of like that. He gets, we talked about uh, Damon who gets hot. Well, Kaziah gets cold. He goes off and patches where he's out in left field and misses a bunch of cuts. But when he gets things back on track and the putter can do the work, he tinkers a little bit. We've talked about that with his swing, but I think he's over all that. And yeah. this is a new season for him. And when this guy, well, can he roll the butt, but his stroke is so pure. You think he's going to make it when he's over it. So yeah, he, you know, when he gets on, I've got to ride this horse Diane right now because he's hot. And anytime that Kazai gets in the top 10, it's all about putting. So I'm going with the putter. Yeah, definitely. Another guy that is a super hot putter and was really in contention at the Sony Open in Hawaii pretty much over the, the course of the tournament is Peter Malnati. Again, when you look at putting average, he's third on the PGA Tour. He's ninth in putts per round. So looking at the big stats that we've said are going to be so vital this week, Malnati is surely going to be up there again. Well, yeah, and Vegas hasn't spotted this guy yet. He's 100 to 1. But I I watch guys, Diane, that putt good. I've watched Malnati now for all the way back to Sanderson Farms, I think, when he finished second. I've hardly seen him miss a putt. So what I've learned about this guy is he is excellent with the putter. I mean, like right at the top of the field. His stats prove it. 
But now he's got a lot more confidence in his fit second, third, fit, all these things he's doing, putting things together. He's starting to realize, hey, I can do this. So I'm, I'm riding this horse too because, again, I got this thing full of putters. As you say, 100 to 1. Um, it's worth noting that Patton Kazair, at the time of recording this, he's 55 to 1, and Joel Damon, 90 to 1. So we've got a lot of value in that top 10 straight off the bat. And the, you know, it's, the putter seems to be key for all of those guys, which is going to be key for this week. Right, completing our top 10, we have two more names, and these are big names, big hitters. And Matthew Wolf comes in at number nine. Matthew Wolf is, everybody knows who Matthew Wolf is. He's got a famous swing. He goes out and comes around and he smashes it a mile and he drives it forever far. So he's just going to destroy this course for length and he hits it solid. So he's going to be going across the water all day. No problem for a guy like Wolf. Can he put the putter together this early in the season? We saw him finish runner up in the US Open. He's played great almost everywhere as a rookie. Yeah. I, I just, I think Wolf is a guy we've got to watch. The only weak spot so far of Wolf's game that I've seen is his chipping. And anyone say, well, what do you mean? I say, well, when he plays out loop with his driver, it's not easy for him not to do that with his wedge. And he doesn't have time to loop it back around. So he's always pulled himself down with our stats because he doesn't chip the ball that good. This is going to be a very, very easy course for Matt Wolf the way he drives it. So that's why we've got him right where he is this week. And then coming in at number 10 is the guy who always has a question mark over him. And it's such a frustrating thing because he seems like, I I don't know him personally, but he seems like such a likable guy. He is insanely talented. He's always up there. Whenever he tees it up in an event, you expect him to do well. He just needs to get that win and get the monkey off the back of Tony Finau. Tony Finau is the worst putter in the top 10. (laughs) However, he's from the desert. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. It's just true. And everybody who's listening to this show knows Tony Finau doesn't run the tables ever. But we did see Jason Duffner a few years back, who's a very similar player, very straight. Of course, Tony hits it a lot further than Jason. Mm-hmm. Tony's a great driver, great iron player. But can a player that's not a great putter win here? I think so, if he hits it good. So Finau has been off the boil for a while now surely at some point diane like leishman he's going to come back around and we're picking him because he lives in the desert and he's going to be very familiar with this too okay that's important this week so that completes our re-ranked top 10 i'll go through it again for you john ram patrick reed russell henley scotty scheffler joel damon patrick handley Patton kazire peter malnati Matthew Wolf and Tony Finau. Right, there are there's some big names playing this week and we'll talk about them shortly. We're going to get into some sizzlers. Now, um, with the field this week, again, as we said at the start, it's the strongest field that they've had here since 2005. There are some big names playing, but there's also some names that have great value and they shot up our re-ranking. The first guy we're going to start with is Sam Burns. He's our first sizzler this week. He had a top 10 finish playing here last year. And I mean, he hits the ball a mile. For He's a little looking guy, but he hits that ball so far. He has been on the radar for a while. We just need to see those good four rounds from Sam Burns. And this is the course that it could happen on. Well, when you talk about what does what kind of skills does Sam Burns has... You talk about top five in driving distance Mm -hmm. and top five in greens and reg. So when you think about putting that kind of action on top of uh, this course, he's going to destroy it from tee to green. I mean, he should be able to play four under on the par fives each day. That's 16. And, you know, he's, he's putting is solid top 70. So yeah, I'm 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 real high on this kid. He's another guy that we're going to be talking about a lot. But Sam Burns is very strong, hits it great, and I just think he's good value this week. Mm-hmm. What's his yeah. odds? Sixty six. Sixty to one. 60 yeah, great to one. value, Sam Burns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, the, the next sizzler kind of falls into the same category, I think, and someone who is more experienced playing on the PGA Tour than Burns. In his last outing, he finished third. Cameron Tringali is 100 to 1 this week. 
there's good value in that for sure. Yeah, and he jumped into this slot today because of the 100 to 1 value, Diane. He's the best value on the board that has his kind of skills. Drives it good. Quite honestly, I don't really like his swing that much, but he hits it straight. And I, I think, how does a guy get to 25 under, or who can, and, you know, that can do it? Like, hit it straight, knock it on the green, and knock it in. And Tringali does this stuff quite a bit during the season. He was right there at uh, Sea Island this year. Uh, as you noted, third place. I am big on Tringali, and I like him here this week. When you say you don't necessarily love his swing, what is it about it? Well, his 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 follow-through is low and around to the side, and that tells me maybe his balance is off at impact, but um, it doesn't affect him. I look at it, and I think, well, that should have went left, but then it's on the green. So... I think it's just a quirk. He's kind of tall. He's got long arms, long legs. So I think it's a quirk of his swing. Yeah. But he's a good player and he's he's up there a lot. And he quietly goes about his business and he makes he run he's a run the table kind of guy. We've given you our top ten, a lot of value names in that top ten, and our first two sizzlers. Sam Burns and Cameron Shingali. Now, our third and final sizzler is the 2009 champion here. And Elk, there's few guys on tour whose games you know better than Pat Perez. Yeah, I like Pat this week. You know, his last three events, he was here at my house. He missed a cut in Houston where he had one bad hole. Then he finished uh, 50th and now 32nd at Hawaii. But he loves this event. Went to Arizona State, lives in, lives in Scottsdale, putts on these greens every day, the same kind of turf. But Pat is 100% emotional. <laughs> he, is, he is all about emotion. And when he gets going and he knows that he knows his course and he's won on it, he knows what to do. And it's, look, this could be a car crash pick, but I tell you what, when Perez does get going, he is not afraid to put the put the foot down and keep going. And this is a place he loves. He's really good at playing this course. Yeah. And with Pat, I always think when he gets hot on the greens and he can putt, then there's no stopping him. But it's always, he just has to do it for four days. I'll see him like putt amazingly well on a Saturday, get himself really into contention up that leaderboard. And then on the Sunday, nothing will fall for him. So if he can get that putter hot, and as you say, on conditions that he's used to playing in, then hopefully he is a good pick this week. Yeah, and, and you know, Pat, Pat, hardly anyone knows this about Pat. He loves golf probably as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And he gets so, so pissed off at himself when he's not swinging well. And it drags him down. And he, I've tried to tell him, just get it down there. But he, yeah. he gets down on himself very quickly. But he putts good. And I think, you know, 32nd place at Hawaii last week was a good start for him. He'll be thinking to himself, okay, now I'm going to a place that I really know how to go, really know how to handle. I I know this deal. And I think it's gonna, I think it's a great pick this week. Okay, good. Keep the momentum going. Right, there's big names in the field this week. The return of Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, and Phil Mickelson. But we have them as our fizzlers this week, and we do have reasons why. It's not like we've just taken the big names and said, no, we're not going to pick them. Um, and we're going to go through it. We're going to start with Brooks Kepka. So he didn't make it to the Century Tournament of Champions after not winning in 2020. And, I mean, he was so far from making it to the top 30 in the FedEx Cup playoffs. He didn't play the Sony Open in Hawaii. There's been quite a few changes for Brooks, hasn't there? Yeah, and, and, and you said it, Diane, these are our three fizzlers. We don't normally pick fizzlers at the beginning of the year because we don't want to jinx any players. But I, these are three super big-name players that I just don't think are going to win this week. And the reason I don't think Brooks will, I don't think he can shoot 26 under par after not being out on, this, out on the tour since uh, Augusta. Mm -hmm. The word is there could be some new equipment in the bag. Uh, he has split with his longtime coach, Claude Harmon III. I just don't see it happening this week. For a, I just don't think he can do 2,600. Yeah. And there's other guys that are already up and running and doing things. I don't think he can beat the other guys ahead of him. So, mm. you know, Brooks needs to get back out on tour. He needs to play three or four weeks, get cranked up. Mm. Is the knee okay? Is the hip okay? I mean, he's had a yeah. lot of question marks. So all of that comes into play. And all I'm saying... He's not going to win this week. That's all I'm saying. 
he did play Mayakoba after the Masters, but missed the cut. And um, I heard in the, the golf rumor mill that he was seen out on a, a driving range with a whole heap of Shrixon representatives. And they were testing clubs, they were testing a ball. Um, I've searched online, haven't been able to find anything about it. You know, maybe we'll, we'll see by the time this goes out what he's going to be playing with um, at La Quinta. But that must trigger the fact that there's something in him that's like, okay, we might need to make some big changes here. You know, I don't actually, I, hate, I sort of hate to see it, even though I didn't say that about Ram, but sometimes when guys get big contracts and another guy's left out, like Brooks is not maybe in that position, he yeah. feels like he's got to go over and do something big to sort of yeah. hold his position with everyone else. And I don't know, I've seen mistakes made, but let's just get out on tour and see what he's got. Okay. Ricky Fowler, um, I've, got a, I've got a question that I want to ask you or a point that I want to make in a few minutes. Um, Ricky's last top 10 finish was this tournament a year ago. When you look at a name like Ricky Fowler, if you don't follow golf, I think Ricky's such an overhyped player. He's an over-commercialized player in that he's on every advert. He's, sponsor, he's got a lot of big sponsors and they, they milk it for all it's worth. But you know, Ricky Fowler, where's his game at? Another guy that's made some big changes. Normally speaking, you would have to consider Ricky Fowler in the show 10 minutes ago in the top hey. 10 somewhere because he putts so well. Every person knows Ricky Fowler has that little firm stroke, very aggressive putter, makes all kind of putts. But where's his swing? Where's his game? We've heard he's changed coaches again. He's changed his swing again. I just can't go with him being a favorite this week, Diane, when I haven't seen the guy. He hasn't been out on tour. I don't know what I'm looking at. Is he trying a new action? I'll be able to tell you as soon as I see it, but I'm just saying I got to see what's going on with Ricky Fowler. I got to see his swing because I know the guy can play. I've, I've mm -hmm. seen it for years, but not yet. Ricky's still such a big name in golf, and even though the results aren't backing it up, um, he's still such a profitable name. And as I said, you know, he's on adverts for everything sometimes can that get a little bit distracting like say you're at a tournament for the week and you've got your sponsors that are asking you to maybe do this do that or the other photo shoots whatever can that become a little bit distracting from what you're there to actually do well when you you know ricky's life has changed over the last few years you know he was he's already been very popular he has you've said he's has big sponsors and now he's he's married so you know your time gets cut a little bit in different areas but mm -hmm. you know i think ricky's big question is is what's he doing with his swing i mean yeah. i've you know he used to have a kind of a i loved his swing way back and he tried to take out that downstroke action he had that like sergio has and i thought that was a mistake however that's just me but ricky plays a ton of good golf the question is i said earlier in the show the guys that can close their eyes and just make a swing and it goes straight he hasn't answered that for me yet i gotta see what he's got swing wise I remember the days that he wouldn't miss a putt. Like you, anything on the green from anywhere, he'd be like, well, Fowler's going to make it. Well, we'll see what will happen this week. And the third fizzler is a California guy. However, <laughs> keeping it in the fairway can be a bit of a mission for Phil Mickelson. Well, Phil's won this tournament. He's a fan favorite out here. There, there won't be any fans, but he knows this place really well. He's grown up in the desert. Everything points to a great week for Phil, but... He did say that his mission statement this year was to get more speed, more distance. He's 50 years old. And I said to myself, does he really need more distance at 50? I mean, we're seeing Brian Gay won uh, on tour last year, the shortest hitter on the tour. We saw Kevin Nye last week, the shortest hitter. What would happen if Phil Mickelson, we just put him down there, he dropped his ball at 260 yards in the fairway. Could he win? Probably. Probably have a chance to win every week, but no. He is going for more distance, and I don't know why, but I'm just saying, you know, 50 years old, I don't think he can. he's going to do it. If there was a guy, yeah. uh, it would get hot, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not seeing it, Diane. He's, a, he's the host of the event this week, so all eyes are going to be on Phil. He loves that attention. He's 50 to 1. Um, the thing that's cracking me up is when you see him walking around and he's drinking his own branded coffee while he's on the course now. I mean, whatever. But as you say, if there's one guy that can just get super hot and turn it on, he's going to be a name up there. However, we just don't see it happening. 
Well, I know when he was one, winning the majors, he wanted to hit more fairways. If his mission statement was, I am just going to be in the fairway, then maybe we would have talked about <laughs> him 15 minutes ago. Right, Elk, thank you very much. Um, we will catch up with you next week. It's the Farmers Insurance Open at Tory Pines, a course that we love to talk about. And uh, we will join you again for that. Thank you, Diane. Moving on to the dark horse picks. Last week, actually, we did three. We usually do two. So I feel like we're kind of on this roll where we're throwing out more dark horse names and why stop? I'm joined by Secret Golf's Jay Kaplan, a.k.a. the dark horse expert. Dude, Matt Jones, what a pick that was. Guys hooked me up twice. I used him last year and he finished fourth. And this year he just kind of hovered around the top 10 and I kept waiting for him to make a little run. He didn't really make a huge run, but... A good showing, nevertheless. Okay. Um, finishing 11th, I mean, that was amazing. And Matt Jones, good on you. I wish I could say the same for Will McGirt, who was doing so well. <laughs> he was doing so well. He had a late eagle on Friday, and I'm like, here we go. And then he just fell to bits and missed the cut by one. But um, I kept saying on Twitter to people, stop tweeting me about Will McGirt. <laughs> Well, you really, you were really touting him going in, so oh, you may I'm, have earned that. Attention. I got very excited. Right, so we're gonna rattle through these dark horse picks. Um, I'll, I'll start with mine. I've got one name that I'm really big on, and another guy that I'm just gonna mention casually. But my first dark horse pick is sixty six to one, which to me is crazy. Um, I feel that those odds might change a little bit, but the, for a guy that's finished. Second, third, second in 2017, 2018, 2019. 2020, he didn't play because his wife was giving birth to their first child. He has an amazing record around this course, and it's the Canadian Adam Hadwin. Now, this is one of those ones where I'm throwing current stats out the window because as we've talked about a lot, it's horses for courses. And guys that come to a place where they just have that magic formula for Hadwin to finish second, third, second, he knows it. He's got it. He feels comfortable here. So Adam Hadwin is my first dark horse pick, which it baffles me he's even a dark horse pick. I wanted him as a sizzler, but hey, that's where he is this week. So I want to remind you of the hell that you unleashed on me when I picked any player as a dark horse that was under 100 to 1 in Vegas. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. 66 to 1. Is he a dark horse? Are you living in the past because of his past performance? Well, I guess we'll find out. I guess I'll I'll let you have this one. This what week. I said to Elk was it would be ter it would be very remiss of us not to talk about him on the show. And if he wasn't going to be a sizzler or in the top ten, then I'm like we have to put him in somewhere. So there you go. I'm just going to throw out my other name, <laughs> which is a three hundred to one pick. Um, my record has not been great, so I'm not going to go heavy, but. Akshay Batia. He's 18 years old. He's six foot. He weighs one pound more than I do, <laughs> which doesn't make me feel great. But his stats are so good. They really are. Um, he had a great showing at the Safeway Open. He started hot at Mayakoba not too long ago. So he made huge leaps up our re-ranking at 301. I'm going for the Batia. Well, Diane, add one more pound and you might be my dark horse for next week. <laughs> uh, so let's get to the real stuff. All right. You know, this is my wheelhouse and I, I've scoured through the field and this is a big field. And it's a field that, as you said earlier, has some really big names. And this event is not accustomed to being having so much depth. My first one, and I, I'll... I'll hold mine back for a big reveal in the next segment, but my first one's a West Coast guy, uh, played college at Cal Berkeley, so he's very familiar with the climate. Uh, he has won on the PGA Tour uh, before. In fact, a great event, the Wells Fargo event. So we haven't seen this guy since he finished 12th at Mayakoba, which is a great uh, fall season event. And he's been away working on his game. And I like the fact that he's been working on his game. He tweeted, he's excited to get back at it and compete. My pick this week is a dark horse. It's Cal Bear, former Cal Bear, Max Homa. He putted phenomenally well at Mayakoba. I thought he was going to win at one point. So, all right, cool. I like it. Um, and as long as they tweet that they're going to play well, I mean, that's like the magic for him. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he is 140 to one, not like one of your 66 to one guys. So I'm giving you Adam Hadwin at 66 to one and Akshay Bhatia, um, who's 300 to one, whose numbers are amazing. And he jumped up 130 places in our re-ranking. Uh, good for you. Um, and I'll remind you of those odds over the weekend, of course. Uh, I'll tweet them out since that's your favorite platform. <laughs> Uh, can I give you one more? And this is really the guy that I really zeroed in on this week. Okay, well, Max, Max Homa was your first dark horse pick. My second guy is coming off uh, playing in Hawaii. Got a T25 last week. He's a veteran guy. Uh, he's on a high because his beloved Alabama Crimson Tide have another championship. So I know he's spent his offseason being motivated by Nick Saban and his crew. But let's zero in on his golf game. Um, 51st in putting average, 44th in putts per round. His Achilles heel is off the tee. I think he's going to be fine with that this week. Mm -hmm. And this guy has a common name, and you know I love to say this. He doesn't have a common game this week, Diane. At 125 to 1, it's Michael Thompson. Okay. His form has been really solid, like last three showings, 25th, 21st, and 15th. So, yeah, okay. I'll give you Michael Thompson. And those are good odds. Value. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a guy that has traditionally hovered right at the playoff line. He's yeah. around the 125s, yeah. the 130s. So he's had a very good career. He's 35 years old. He's married to a doctor. He's not worried about cash. He's coming in free and easy, playing well. I look for him to be top 10. So there you have it, all of our picks for the American Express on the PGA Tour this week. We always have a pre-production call where we go through the entire field and we kind of look at the stat re-ranking and then we kind of jiggle it about ourselves based on some other intangibles and whatnot. But this one took us so long this week, just because there's so many names and the fact that it's over two courses now instead of the three, uh, just, yeah, the fact that it's going to be a shootout and that the scores are always very, very low. But I'm feeling good about our picks, especially my dark horse pick of Adam Hadwin. And I know you might be thinking he's not a dark horse pick, but at 66 to 1, I was like, with his record around the courses and for this tournament, there's no way that he could be overlooked. Anyway, I hope you have great success with all your picks, your fantasy lineups, bets, whatever you want to do with the information this week. Let us know how you get on. We always have really fun conversations on Twitter especially, um, you know, the final couple of rounds, Saturday, Sunday, we always have a bit of chat back and forth about um, how our picks are doing. So get in touch. We're at Secret Golf on everything. Also, our show airs on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. You can check that out at sportsgrid.com and on all the TV streaming platforms as well. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're off to San Diego next week for the Farmers Insurance Open at Tory Pines. Mark Lee is defending champion so we'll catch up with him and uh, we'll, we'll be giving you our tour report for the entire field Sports Social Podcast Network